Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode eight of the Pull List Podcast, season two, a bi weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. Yes, this is the Deuce, not the Ojo. On today's episode of the Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our poll recommendations for the past two, I mean, three weeks, oops, and our favorite number ones. This is the Pull List Podcast. So strap yourselves in and prepare yourself. For we've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next on. I cut handsome checks. Oh, Hector. I'm sorry. What's wrong? Things happen. Maybe I should just blame COVID. But yes, it's been three weeks instead of two weeks. But we have lots of things that we can catch people your up on. Your entrails were becoming your extrails. It's okay. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I had I had a bit of a stomach bug. Now that all of you needed to know, but mm-hmm, that's a thing. It wasn't the COVID, um, thankfully. But here we are, and we're ready to talk about comics and well, the entrails of the comic industry. Well, hopefully not, but mostly good news, I think, uh, over the last couple weeks. But there's a few interesting little industry nuggets sitting out there. And kind of right there at the top is something that, you know, you and I've been going back and forth on for a while. But DC Universe, is it going to be a thing in the post-HBO Max um, Warner Brothers conglomerate AT&T insert massive communications corporation here? Um and about two weeks ago, DC Universe stopped selling annual subscriptions. Um, hmm. Now, Things that make you go, hmm. On top of that, like maybe a month ago, and I may have mentioned this already on the pool list, but uh, DC Universe sent out an email to all of its subscribers, or maybe it was all of its annual subscribers, to have the option to go ahead and sign on to HBO Max for $4 or $5 a month um, for the rest of 2020. Ooh, say it's not so. Um, and with that, if you throw in the price of uh, DC Universe with the $5 that they charged for HBO Max, you're paying what normal people pay for HBO Max. So they're already prepping to get rid of it. And yeah, you know, when I came back from, or I told you when I was at San Diego, Yep. Uh, 2019, I asked right, whole year DC, DC Universe point blank at their booth, um, why should I re-up for this if it's not going to be around for a year? And the dude said, and you can backtrack this to a year yep. ago pull list, the dude said, well, it'll be here at least another year. <laughs> at least. Uh, <laughs> um, so... That that's my full understanding based on the way they're doing subscriptions and everything else and the way the marketing and branding is HBO Max full disclosure I am not HBO Max DC Universe I expect to fully cease to exist December 2019 or 2020 um, yeah so if if you already hated 2020 and you're a DC Universe fan yet we're we're just we we don't know but staring at all the information in front of us. It, it seems like a thing because the only thing that stands out as a separation between the two services at the moment is the digital reading of comics. And though they wouldn't admit it out loud, I'm willing to bet that a lot of that is their readership is just not what they hoped. It's not enough to certainly hold the subscription rates at what they were. And no. honestly, 
The other side of that is AT&T and Warner Brothers sitting there going, we don't really care. We sell media product that isn't former print product. Get on board because that's a lot of the rumor that's kind of coming on the back end is AT&T and and big Warner Brothers just wants let's let's print our money in the thing that we actually produce, which is TV and big screen stuff. Which unfortunately means they haven't been paying attention to their product at all. Otherwise, they would realize that maybe that's not the direction they really want to go. Um, huh, about that. Anyway, um, yeah. So DC Universe. Uh, I guess we got to put that bad boy on life support and keep an eye on it because. Warner Brothers and AT&T seem to be lurking, thinking about pulling that plug. Well, and to be fair, dude, um, I, y'all have heard me, you know me, I am the biggest DC fanboy probably in existence, and (laughs) definitely on this podcast, Um, Uh, and I barely use my DC Universe subscription, like, at all, um, like super honest, I haven't put time into my DC Universe subscription since uh, Titans season two ended. Um, like I let that's, that's somebody been a minute el- then. Yeah, I let somebody else. Well, maybe Young Justice season three, whichever happened last. It was one of those. I let somebody else use my login info to watch Harley Quinn, um, but I've not watched season two. Um, of Harley Quinn. I don't know if I finished season one. I haven't started Doom Patrol yet, and I have DC Universe and HBO Max. Um, How I dare just you? I'm honestly... almost done. Huh? I said I'm almost done. As far as I know, episode nine's the last one, so next week uh, they're they're done in season two. I think that's what yeah. I heard. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I haven't put the time into it, and um, because that stuff... One of the problems with DC Universe material outside of Young Justice is that it's not stuff you can watch around kids. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. And I've been home with my flipping kids <laughs> since March, so I can't exactly watch, you know... But who's even keeping track anymore? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. No, that's that's a super good point because that would be why you didn't finish Harley Quinn um, and Doom Patrol is sitting out there and it is it is wonderful. And next week is the last episode of season two. So you'll get to jam that into your frontal cortex at some point. Well, I'm going on vacation like this week. So if oh. I've got good Internet, I might sit on like a mountain hot tub or something and watch Doom Patrol because that's how <laughs> that's how we do it. Um, that's how we roll. Mm hmm. But that's the thing. DC Universe has lost me as far as its validity. Um, one of the biggest downfalls of it, and again, these are nothing new, but it's the fact that if you're already a DC reader, like you've probably covered most of this ground. Um, mm-hmm. There aren't many stories on there that I don't have sitting in a box or have read before. Um, there's plenty of stuff, but there's stuff that I don't want to read. I think the most valuable thing I got off of there was reading Batman and Robin Eternal. And that was a 52 uh, issue thing. And it was turned out to be a dope story. And I'm really glad I read it. I read some Huntress stuff. But like, there's nothing because now what they're doing is it's almost like, you know, going from theaters to VHS in the 90s. It's that a year after it premieres, it's popping up there. And I'm like, I don't need this now. I read this a year ago. 
Um, like the fact that I'm getting advertisements for like what's going on in Doomsday Clock. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Doomsday Clock was forever ago. Um, and we anyway. had to wait for it like normal human beings. Yes, because no, normal human beings stop caring. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, you probably didn't mean that to go that long, but yeah, DC Universe that's, is going away. Right. It's gonna uh, go away. I am enjoy so, HBO Max for Studio Ghibli movies or Ghibli movies, but you know, that's yeah, about it. No, same. Um, absolutely, working our way slowly through the back catalog because yep, been off that train, but now that it's right there, too easy. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the DC catalog there is as good, if not better than universe. So I think they're trying to make a point there. And well, it they also literally, have the bigger budget it literally stuff mirrors there. Disney plus as well that it has, you know, Disney plus has the Marvel thing. And then, so it's fine. This, this is fine. Um, let's see what else is going on besides everything. Um, so San Diego was a week ago at time of recording at online stuff, which to be honest, I'm just going to mention here because a lot of this stuff kind of floated out during that timeline. Um, I kind of didn't notice, which I is unfortunate. Um, <laughs> Nothing that, about like that opportunity grabbed me. Right. That uh, I kind of expected my timeline to just like get nuked with stuff and it didn't. And I went, huh. So... Well, one of the biggest reasons yeah. why your timeline didn't get nuked is because normally San Diego is the time when everybody's talking about their new projects and right. like the big thing that they're counting on. Nobody can like very confidently swagger out and tell you what's coming next because they don't have a flipping clue. I like, feel like that's what they- accurate that there there were two things, a few things that came out, and we'll talk about those next, but they almost weren't um, San Diego exclusive. They were just like, yeah, OK, and by the way. Because um, how can yeah. you be confident when you don't know, like, what the world's going to look like? I mean, yeah, how many been, release dates has Tenet had? There's <laughs> that. And also just I'm even talking about print books that I expected to see some more. And print is back, but the schedules are kind of so delayed and all out of whack that, I mean, come on. Uh, for those that are keeping score... DC was going to announce at Free Comic Book Day back in May, which also didn't occur back in May. It's still currently going on as Free Comic Book Summer, like we've mentioned. Um, Their next big continuity arc. And we got nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. We know what their next big event's going to be, but we're not sure whether that's going to be universe continuity changing or if that time has kind of floated into next year. But I guess that's that's a great introduction to, if you didn't know, DC's next big thing, which they did kind of use a San Diego um, announcement for, is called Endless Winter. Um, and there's been some rumor that that's kind of a play on um, a few things that they may get back to some Infinity stuff, but... It's also been rumored that this may actually be in the space of Blackest Night kind of stuff. So, I don't know. But it's a cool name. I dig it. Um, And then on the other side of things, over at Marvel World, um, the next big thing outside of Empire, which we'll get to a little later in the show, is yet another X 
mini macro insert number of books here. A story is coming called X of Swords um, and potentially new bad guys and or even new X-Men being introduced. But if you don't know where the world of X-Men is going, it's going here, there, and everywhere and keep up because that's just how they're kind of unrolling the X-Men universe right now. So the two big publishers are like big shrugs going, we're going to do a thing maybe? Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you took anything from those two announcements or just kind of San Diego in general, but from those two, I was like, cool. I guess 2020 really is kind of a question mark still. Ah, <sighs> COVID can end. I'm ready. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Oh, so kind of buried in all those announcements were some interesting things. Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw announced their new independent project, uh, Crossover. Um, and it promises to be kind of a big deal, but there's still very limited details on it. Just that we do know that Donnie and Jeff are combining efforts uh, to do some work. And so that's their first jam outside of a lot of the new work they've been doing together at Marvel. They came together. They went to school together at SCAD. So that's kind of the jam there. And so they did Thanos together, but more importantly, beforehand, they did a couple projects, which were kind of the launching point. So God Country was them. And they've also announced that a a new God Country arc is coming, that it's related to the universe and that more stuff's coming, but that's not crossover. Um, so I'm excited for that. And Gerard Way also announced the return of the Fabulous Killjoys. And so that's going to see new comic book print run but there's also rumors that that may be returning because it's been picked up to be a show either at netflix or somewhere else because you know the umbrella academy has been um pretty darn good for them so if you've been into some of the older stuff and that's going to be a dark horse you get to see more of your boy gerard way um bringing some of that awesome content and then finally, you've got Tom King is going to be writing a Rorschach um, book for DC, but it's going to be Black Label. So if you didn't think we're not getting enough... Um, Realistically, there shouldn't be a Rorschach <laughs> publication that's not Black Label. Right. And thankfully, that's the case. Um but it's going to be interesting to see where in all of the messed up timelines we now have before us, he's actually bringing us a story and what's going on there. So that's just like a metric ton of random small things, which is kind of what you expect out of a show or in proximity to a major show like San Diego. But I'm trying to remember if there was anything else that like really jumped out. Was there anything that you saw or was it just like you said that it's like, Oh, San Diego happened sort of. It was, it was that because honestly, like there's not a lot of big projects or events coming or anything like that where people, are straight up flexing what's coming next. It's just it's true. People are like we haven't given up. Honestly, the <laughs> most stuff that the most stuff that I've seen like in relation to San Diego was Funko Pop releases. Like, well, I mean, Funko Funko Pop makes the world go round. So if you're not getting them San Diego exclusives, then it, are, are we still truly alive? Which actually, that was a source <laughs> of controversy at my local shop because. Um, like how they normally have their exclusives uh, 
Uh, right. The the way to get them online, the online store like came and went like stupid fast. But then um, with how some of the exclusives were available at retailers and their shops, um, the retailers didn't limit. Some of them didn't limit the quantities in which you could purchase exclusives. Ooh. So people were getting like going in and grabbing five or six of the crazy exclusives and like rolling out with like leaving no one opportunities. Mm. So that was not fun for some. Yeah. Speculation and or reselling of limited edition anything is very real in the comic book industry and especially in Pop Funko. But um, and yeah, that's kind of the downside is sure, you know, capitalism first come first serve type thing but a lot of the times it's let people actually enjoy the thing instead of someone buying 17 of them and selling 16 of them on ebay for 47 percent markup <laughs> or 47 times markup in some of those cases some of those stupid things end up costing 500 to a thousand dollars because of their limited existence and wow collecting is a thing it's a heck of a drug um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what's been going on for the last couple of weeks. Um, and we constantly are keeping our ear to the ground and seeing what's going on out there. We also saw a couple things. Um, I'm going to be kind of light on my Marvel recommendations this week. Cause we had some, yeah. some, de- <laughs> some delivery, delivery issues, uh, this week. And, but equally, um, folks still getting used to the new DC distributors are having, mixed results kind of from talking to people throughout, but they're figuring things out. And that might be the only last thing worth mentioning is uh, UCS, one of the two companies, announced on Friday that they're just going to stop answering the phone. Like legit. They're like, we're, we're not doing phones anymore. So send everything digitally. Otherwise, good luck. And that went over not so great because <laughs> a lot of shops still want to talk to a human being to ensure that their stuff has been acknowledged and they're actually getting their their stuff and they've made a company decision that submitting everything via email is just easier for their customer service reps and they just don't want to get yelled at anymore and diamond's sitting over there going wait we could have done that i don't know just interesting um hey when you've got monopoly you're the only one that gets to flip over the table right (laughs) that's why i was like this is either the dumbest customer service move ever or the most brilliant thing i've ever seen (laughs) because I mean, the turnover rate for uh, store reps at Diamond can be like less than 24 hours in some instances. <laughs> and that's that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> um, I've heard it's an average of a week at times, but that definitely there are some people that like halfway through a shift are like, no way, man, you are not paying me enough to get screamed at for the entire shift. <laughs> so good times. Um but we'll continue to keep an eye on all the things going on out there in the industry and delivering them to you, our loyal listeners. And if you ever want to jump in on the conversation, just join us on Facebook at Love Thy Nerd Facebook Community. You literally just search those words and, you know, Hector and my face will pop up. No, I'm just kidding. It's Love Thy Nerd, but you can join us and you can talk about all of this stuff and even things we missed throughout the entire week. Which leads us to probably the best part of the show. Maybe that's just me, but where we get to talk about all the wonderful comics that have come out in the last couple of weeks. So, Hector, seeing as you got all of your books this week, um, and and I I was like, well, even then, I only missed a couple new books. The only one I was really interested in was uh, X Factor, um, number one, whether that was going to be worth doing anything or not, but I'll have to revisit that. So, tell me... Tell me what's good. What's good, yo? Okay, um, 
personally, I didn't want to do X Factor just because I've had enough X. If it starts with X, I'm out. Um, womp womp. Like, I'm still going with X-Force and X-Men, but they're skating on thin ice. Um, so one thing is uh, right out the gate, I'll bypass actual comics and jump straight to a trade. Um, How uh, dare you? I do what I want. Um, <laughs> I can't, your name's on the show byline. I guess that's okay. Boom. But uh, Marvel <laughs> dropped the trade of Rise of Kylo Ren, which I didn't pick up those issues as they were live. Um, but it just dropped out. And it's the canon uh, backstory for Kylo Ren with some flashbacks to his youth. And uh, just out the gate, if you care and you want some more backstory on, you know, the galaxy's resident emo boy, then (laughs) you go right ahead. Um, Because the Gerard way of space is ready for you to jump in and learn his secrets. Um, Oh, that's so good. I like that. I dig it. Dude, I, just, I really want someone just to dress like Kylo Ren and go back and remake some My Chemical Romance videos. Right. Um, so Black Parade and mixed with that, it'd be great. Yeah, I want Adam Driver to do a cover of, you know, <laughs> everything um, in that capacity. But anyway, if you enjoy Star Wars, out the gate, it's only four issues. Which, by the way, y'all, just, just speaking from the heart, if it's less than four issues, that's barely a trade. Don't try and charge me trade money. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I'm betting that one still costs. Let's. Well, I know I can look up what it costs. It's probably still it was, fifteen bucks. It was sixteen. It was sixteen. Oh, okay. Go on. Sixteen for four dollars or for four issues, um, mm. which means you're still paying full cover price. You're still paying cover price. Mm-hmm. You're paying full cover price even though it's a trade. So thanks, guys. Um, but I only got it in trade format because it was either that or I was going to end up with second printings of the regular. So I'm like, eh. But it's a story worth reading. If you like Star Wars, go for it. So that's good. Um, I think it's important. You mentioned it earlier. And for those that might not have figured this out yet, for realsies, you guys, if it is produced by Disney or Marvel and it says Star Wars on it, that is considered canon by the mouse. Which means if something gets published in a comic that you didn't see in a movie and you sit there and go, that never happened. That's not true. Disney considers all of their product across the line in the Star Wars universe to be canon. And a few years back when they said this is what we own and parts of the extended universe were not part of that, there was a great disturbance in the force, like a million voices being silenced at once. And a <laughs> bunch of fans got really angry. Yeah, that was great. Um, all of the extended favorite- universe were stored on Alderaan. Right, and just got obliterated in a heartbeat. <laughs> and George Lucas showed up and made it a really pretty explosion instead of the old 70s explosion. And everybody cried a little bit. But Disney said, but seriously, from this point on, if it gets uttered, then we are creating a universe. And a lot of craziness has occurred in comics that people are like, no, nah, that didn't happen. I'm like, nah. Unfortunately, for the way they claim they're running this product, it did happen. And... Han Solo has a wife, had a wife, complicated, it's a thing. Um, And all this other craziness that occurred in a lot of these types of books are kind of semi-important to the overarching building of the universe. So if you wanted a reason to be extremely upset about your Star Wars fandom, you're welcome. I've given you a bunch of things to go and read at your comic book shop and just hate life over. But some of it, to be fair, is actually really freaking cool um, because they're filling in lots of the timeline that we just didn't have. 
And I know some fans don't love that, but I think it's kind of cool that we technically can pull stories with that are adjacent to th- places, people, and things that we understand, but are still unique. So go read more comics. There's lots of things going on in Star Wars. You've missed a lot. And that also does cover Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, yup. And Mandalorian. Those things are canon. And if I'm not mistaken, so is Jedi Fallen Order. So... Um, That's my understanding because of the licensing and everything is that they're like, no, seriously, everything that we release under the banner, um, the stories are consistent with what we are pitching as the greater universe. So, Which is but, – but Fallen Order also had the same Inquisitors – and yep. Vader that we have from Rebels. So that's a thing. Yep. Go get on that. Um, all right. So Star Wars aside, yep. um, <laughs> get ready, folks. It's about to happen. I got You're going to say something nice about Marvel? <gasps> what? Spider-Man. And also adjacently Sony. Spider-Man. Um, but no, I, I picked up a Spider-Man book and be, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it might be the stereotypical pastor in me, but you know, as I'm watching, walking through a local comic book shop and see a issue that says "Sins Rising," I'm like, "Don't rise, sins. That's bad." I'm like, "What are you? What's, what are you?" So yeah, I so pick- I I stopped and looked at it for a second. I was like, "Do I pick it up just because it says sins on the cover?" <laughs> and I kept walking. So good for you. Tell tell um, me why I was wrong. Well, that was also me just trying to. I'm still in the mode, and I'm, I probably won't tell you when I stop being in the mode, but I'm still in the mode of where I'm trying really hard to support my local comic book shops, um, like super hard. I like Until businesses open back normal, I'm going to put every spare dollar I can in my local comic book shops. So if I go to a local comic book shop and they don't have what I need, I have to buy mm. random crap I don't want, um, <laughs> which is how I ended up with Sins Rising, because my local comic book shop didn't have Batman 47, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, or Batgirl 47. Um, there you go. So, whatever, because... Bat- Sad face. Wait till I tell you the comment that went with it, though. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, anyway, so, Sins Rising... Uh, is there it because i you've got more spider-man knowledge than me but i don't even know if you know this dude there was a spider-man villain back in the day uh called the sin eater um who was literally just a psychopathic cop in a ski mask with a shotgun um that murdered super sinners um because the sin eater was this mythic thing that when a sin eater killed you or you know ate a feast over your dead body which is totally in the prequel um when the sin eater ate your sins, he literally took your sins on to his person, absolving you of your sins so that you can die and be free from sin. Basically like a super violent, less holy Jesus. Um, holy wow. And actually there's been multiple ones. It's over because, yeah, my brain just went, I don't have that interesting knowledge, but there's a lot of interesting things that come up when you look for it. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, well, which that which sin- one is it? What give me the names. Uh, so, there's it's a, a dude ton. with a K. Um, that's a new dude. It's a cop. Um, interesting. I think he's the most recent incarnation of the Sin Eater. Um, yeah, he might be a new one then cuz he's not in the uh, historical. So, but the Sin Eater basically was just a dude, but now he's literally he was killed. He has been brought back from hell. And instead of just being a rando with a shotgun and a ski mask that needs solid therapy, he is a malevolent entity 
that can traverse space uh, in a uh, spiritual form and is still dressed like rando dude from the streets and is hunting down bad guys and killing them. And when he kills them, literally, uh, it takes the sin out of that person and puts it into his spiritual form. Um, to the point that Spider-Man, not a crazy spoiler here, but just to tell you why you might be interested in this, uh, the Sin Eater in the first... Now, there's a Sins Rising pre- prologue, and then this really kicks off an Amazing Spider-Man 45, which was my poll for this week. Um, s- this dude shoots, tries to kill uh, the bad guy um, that I'll leave unnamed, and Spider-Man, being Spider-Man, jumps in front of the bullets, Ooh. being the hero. Well, guess what, kiddos? This is a spiritual shotgun, and it goes right through Spidey, and kills the bad guy without hurting Spidey at all because them spiritual bullets. So, um, and I'm, there's a big twist cliffhanger thing that happens at the end of the book saying nothing about it, but this is getting on a seriously spiritual, uh, actually dealing with sin and the consequences of sin and judgment and all that stuff. Um, so there you go. He's like, he's like from, reading things that they obviously talk about ghost rider in similar respects. Yes. He's like the, he's the poor man's ghost rider. He's just not functioning on behalf of hell. Yes. That's the difference. Now he is. Um, um there was a spiritual sin eater, but then they, he would choose a, a physical entity to carry out the work. Now the spiritual entity and the physical entity are together. It's very much like the specter. Right. But with a shotgun. <laughs> um shotgun specter coming next to Cinemax. Um but that's where we're at. Uh it's a Spider-Man story dealing with sin and spiritual stuff and so I picked it up because I am that pastor that if you appeal to that I will read it. Um let me also hit Mercy number 4. We've talked about Mercy. Um it is a banana storyline and Chris, I know you haven't read this one yet. Yeah, but um, let's talk about it because I I'm not gonna be too disappointed. But d- do we know what this book's about yet? There's two issues left. Um, yes. Um, you get okay. into a lot more of the detail about what's happening. Okay. Um, and you get a lot into the detail of it. I will say this: this Mercy is one of these books where I have no freaking clue what's going on while I'm reading it, but every issue takes you to a different place. And takes you a little bit further. Um, and there are only two issues left. Um, but this was probably the most informative one. Now, this is some super duper. Uh, the first issue was like Game of Thrones season one's level on inappropriateness. Um, <laughs> like adult content. The rest of the books have been kind of like adult contenty free. Um, yeah, they've been mellow, for, tearing yeah. people um, apart. Yeah, this is super, like, gory alien violence. Um, so, like, if you can bypass the uber nudity in the first issue, it's a pretty darn fun story. Um, but I'll say this. it's I've put four issues into this, and I will gladly finish out the last two. If this was a 30-issue arc, I'd be dipping. But I, I, I'm in this for six issues. Um, so, if you like gothic horror... That's good. This is this is for you. Um, and let me hit my heavy hitter for the week or the couple weeks. Let's Batman see. or Batgirl 47. Oh, um, 
As everybody that has read it so far just cringed a little bit, so here we go. Now, we have been abusing Barbara Gordon for a hot minute. Um, Her story has not exactly been filled with joy, no. For the past 30 years, Barbara Gordon has lived a very treacherous life um, when it comes to bad things, especially bad things Joker-related. You know, back in the day, 1989, Joker shot Barbara Gordon. I believe it's 89, in case my memory's fuzzy. Um, But I thought it was the same year as uh, the Batman film. Um, Could be wrong. But in the... Killing Joke? The Killing Joke. Um, Joker shoots Barbara Gordon in the spine and then assaults her physically and takes photos of her in her vulnerability and suffering, uh, to not necessarily humiliate her, but to drive James Gordon to madness. We spent a solid part of the last 30 years with Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair. Um, with DC Rebirth, Barbara Gordon is no longer in a wheelchair. So however many years we are- technology- Cause yeah, because realistically, if Batman can do all the other crap he does, he can help this poor girl walk. Um, if Iron Man can make Rhodey walk, Batman could definitely make Batgirl walk. Um, but that being said, the majority of my life she's been in a wheelchair, and then since DC Rebirth, she's been back. Now a couple of years ago, um, and it might have been in Rebirth, it might have been in New Fifty Two. I forgot which is. There was the issue where the cover was pulled. Because it was too, like, traumatic. The one where the mm. Joker was standing behind Batgirl and wiping a blood-smeared smile on her face. Yes. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was that, was that part of uh, Death in the Family, I believe. Yes, that sounds right. Um, yeah, because that would be the next time that she kind of uh, got another crack at him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an absolutely bonkers storyline. So... Um, knowing that we were going into Joker War, like my legit only point of tension was knowing we were about to go back to Barbara Gordon. And I'm like, please leave this girl alone. Um, she's like the Laurie Strodes of like, you know, superheroes. And And I'm sorry, I actually put the wrong two letter word in the middle of that. Death in the family was the Jason Todd arc that we're about death to get. Of the a, family. It was death of talking. the family in New Fifty Two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was so it was New Fifty Two. Yep, sorry. Okay. Um, okay, so that's two, right. New 52. Two super, two, had, two super important things, but we're getting the the animated movie of Death in the Family soon, and Death of the Family was the last big Joker. Because hurrah. New 52 Batgirl was the uh, Burnside costume. Got it. Um, yep. So anyway, this issue follows with Joker once again showing up at Batgirl's apartment. And I kid you not, I, there was tension on every freaking page for me. Like, sheer anxiety. And what makes it worse is, like, throughout the book, it is straight up... Har- or, not Harley, Lord. Um, it is straight up <laughs> Batgirl talking about the fact that she's stronger than her circumstances and she can overcome the things that have, like, made her life hard. And so you've literally got this panel, this page after page of Barbara Gordon giving herself life affirmations. And in every single panel, the audience sees that the Joker is lurking in her apartment in some different fashion. Um, I'm going to leave it there as far as storyline. Um but y'all, it's tense. It's brutal. Realistically speaking, if I were had any kind of authority, I would have put a warning label on this one. Um, yeah, in the con, like in the context of also 
a lot of that flashback for her is she's stronger because she survived the initial incident. And so there's there's ties back to that and the fact that you kind of see this figure lurking and all of us that are familiar with The Killing Joke and have been fans of all the lore that's been surrounding all this for so long is you're just cringing because you're like, what what is coming next? We've come a long way. It was 1988 when it published. Um, okay. Even, and it was shocking then to what a lot of comics are today. Like it, that book got in my head from like the first couple pages of I was like, I don't know if I want to know where this ends. So, so yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a, a great book. And I, I don't know about you, but for me, because Batman 95 came out this week, too. And. So it, the first – was it the first or the second official Joker War? I think it's the first official that there have been all buildups and the tie-ins to what's actually coming book and everything. And this was my favorite Bat book in the Joker War currently, and the Joker War itself is already starting to bore me. Well, I'm sorry. To, sorry, not no, sorry. That's, but that's the thing. This was – to me, this is the official best book in the Joker War thing. Um hands down so far and i had mentioned this previously too and you know not putting on a pull list but like with nightwing they've officially got nightwing uh brainwashed into being a joker version of nightwing and being punchline sidekick while they beat up barbara gordon in an issue that happens before this one so whatever bad layout bad structural it literally was embarrassing to read um like comics I am I am for comics being silly, um, but uh, if a comic is just that bad, I'm disappointed. And let me just go ahead and drop this nugget while I'm being salty. Um, <laughs> Empire is stupid uh, <laughs> for <laughs> um, uh, for Marvel. Oh. Like the idea sounds really bad. Aliens versus plants. I'm like, that's an Xbox cheap game, not a Marvel <laughs> franchise. Um, oh, but no. beyond that. Um, I picked up Avengers number one, like the Avengers Empire number one. Right. And dude, people listening, every that was the worst written comic book for dialogue I think I've read in my adult life. Um, coming from a major publisher on a major franchise on the anchor team for their books, that junk read like, you know middle school students with bad grammar tried to tell a story it was rough like marvel's like superhero squad like the old cartoon was a better avenger story but the dialogue was just really really bad um and it made me angry (laughs) like that i had spent four dollars on this thing i'm gonna stop talking now but go on (laughs) all right well uh don't worry um my fellow marvel fans um Crispy's here to make you feel slightly better about your life choices Um, because honestly, I mean, my stuff was kind of split down the middle over the last couple of weeks. Um, I read a bunch of third party stuff that just kind of didn't land over the last couple of weeks, but two amazing Marvel books and two amazing DC books kind of filtered to the top and all that. And uh, Chris, Chris loves some Moon Knight. And so Avengers 33 kicked off an Avengers Moon Knight arc. And with delays and everything, 34 hit uh, two weeks ago as the second part of the story as we're kind of seeing now what's actually going on. I think I I outlined the semi-spoiler-ish 
reality that Moon Knight was attacking Avengers to steal their powers for some particular purpose. And we now know that he was doing it for his moon god, and which is typical. He's usually going to do stuff because that's the puppet master in Spectre's world. But, you know, everyone's like, yo, Spectre, uh, we know you crazy. We know you've got other personalities up in your skull and everything. So we get when you kind of go crazy, but uh, what gives, bro? And you find out that it's not actually even that, that we're tying everything back to uh, Mephisto and some other more powerful beings from uh well not from the moon in the skies but from the other place um so i didn't expect that to be a mephisto and like hell trying to take over the world type story arc and the moon god is actually scared of who's actually pulling the strings and that's what's motivating everything and It's freaking fun as all get out because Spectre is this strange. It's basically Deadpool Batman. The Spectre beats the living crap out of things to make them stop. But he has three other personalities occupying his skull at the same time. Um, So he doesn't break fourth wall or anything like that, but he definitely breaks the I have three other people living inside me and the complications of that. And it's just been a lot of fun. But the main thing that's going on through the entirety of the arc is a majority of the Avengers core powers are items that they have. Uh, So, you know, like Cap's shield or uh, Thor's hammer. And he gets to Black Panther and he's like, give me the power. And, you know, Black Panther's like, um, that that's not how it works. It's like, I I am the weapon. And so that's been an interesting little segue into what's going on and all that. But if you like Avengers, like core Avengers and Moon Knight being like inserted into their world sideways. Oh, that's super fun. So you need to go back to Avengers 33 and start there and read forward. But now I get to talk about Chris's all time favorite Marvel book. Can everyone say it with me? Daredevil. Yeah, because Chris hasn't literally put every issue of Daredevil since the beginning and technically predating um, Sadarsky's run on this list, but fam, fam. (laughs) Daredevil 21, like Chip Sadarsky, I shouldn't be surprised when he surprises me anymore and realizing that he's really that good because he's really that good. And so we've been going through the battle with Fisk as mayor and everything and him, you know, being on the run from the police and the new police detective trying to like be like, nah, man, you got to stop beating people up. You killed somebody. That's a bad no, no. Um, And way back in the beginning, Spider-Man having that talk of, yeah, man, that that's not how it works. We're, we're supposed to beat people up all fun like and, you know, not kill the bad people. And we finally come out the other end of the comic bonkersness that was Fisk having like every rando villain attacking Hell's Kitchen from a few issues ago to that finally resolving and Daredevil kind of being caught again. And it's the, oh man, are we really going to do this? And we finally hit this point that Daredevil turns himself in and goes, no, you're right. Um, I have to be held responsible. Otherwise... What's the point to all this? So remember, Murdoch is a lawyer, so he believes in the system, but he understands that it's broken. And he reveals himself to the DA he's been serving. And we've been screaming towards what looks like the entire world is actually going to find out that Daredevil is Matt Murdoch. And for those of you that are about to tweet at me, 
find out for the second time, but not have their memories erased. That's a different issue from way back in Daredevilness, but good times. Um, because the world did know that, and then they didn't in comics. Um, but so Foggy catches up to him, his longtime friend and everything, and is like, wait, 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 I have an idea. And we hit the end of Daredevil 21, and I'm not sorry, sorry about spoiling this because the reason Chris has been so excited about this entire arc is all the way back to Sewell writing the Matt Murdock goes to Washington to argue a superhero case that superheroes can keep their secret identities and actually go into court and testify as that person and not the person under the mask so they can protect their identity. And Foggy's like, don't surrender as Matt Murdock, surrender as Daredevil and go on trial as Daredevil. Mind blown. We're 21 issues in and we're finally all the way back to the case that got through the Supreme Court that said that superheroes can retain their secret identities is going to become how Matt Murdock surrenders himself and goes on trial as Daredevil. Yeah, but like for you and me, we've been on that for a hot minute. Like, yeah. We recognize that because that's the arc you actually got me to start reading Daredevil on. Like pre-pull list, sitting like in a yeah. hot, sweaty park in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Like <laughs> you trying to convince me to like read a Daredevil book about the Supreme Court. Um, so I got so many people to read that book when it came out. I was like, it even has the Capitol building on it. Look at it. So like, I'm like, of course, this is how it's going to go. Like it made perfect sense to me. Now, the only thing is... The trial works, but the minute, like, if there's a conviction goes, you know. Yeah, there's there's absolutely a breaking point in this. So I'm kind of, now I'm curious how it's going to resolve is it does get you through the right now, but it doesn't, it does not get you through the longer, longer term thing. And so, but basically what looks like we're getting set up for is the trial of Daredevil. So big set pieces like that in Marvel books just make me giddy because they're awesome. And it's going to be foggy. The trial of Daredevil is going against Empire. That's true. Because it's going to be completely overshadowed. Like, look, plant fight. Also, somebody's don't, don't on trial. Care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but his best friend Foggy's going to be representing him. I'm just like, this is the most daredevil daredevil in a while. And I'm so daredevil. So pick up daredevil. Um, and so my other two books just doesn't feel as awesome by comparison, but sort of the same. Um, for those of you in the DC universe, we I'm still reading Death Metal because, I mean, I feel like you just can't not read Death Metal. Um, so freaking fun. Right. And it is still absolutely Snyder. It, I, I don't know how this dude sleeps at night because this stuff is coming out of his head. Um, but I will say this is it's super fun. But I also hit a couple points in this book that I was like, there's the shark. There's the ramp. I see the boat going by. Yup, They jumped the shark. Um so I won't totally spoil it for people, but let's put it this way. If you didn't think they couldn't jam more Watchmen into the entire DC universe right now, then you're not paying attention. <laughs> um, and so if this is just designed to make Alan Moore just hate everything even more, then mission accomplished. You, you guys did you did ever it. watch Rent? <laughs> it's been a hot minute, but go on. <laughs> so one of the early plot points of the musical Rent is that Angel is paid a a large sum of cash to bang on a bucket drum until a uh, dog jumps off a balcony and kills itself. Oof. Um, 
<laughs> that's what it feels like watching DC throw more and more Watchmen content is that they're literally paying the writers to agitate Alan Moore to the breaking point where he blows up and takes us all down. Yeah, I don't know if I want that Dark Wizard to do that to us because that guy's crazy. <laughs> it's like, what about Like, no, please stop. Yeah, so here we are. Um, so Death Metal, it's still beautiful. It's still wild. The Batman Who Laughs is still the most frightening thing that has come out of that universe. And well, now it's even more frightening. And I won't spoil that for you. I will allow all of you to absorb that for at least one more episode. And then the next time it comes up, we won't talk about it um, because that was just insane. Um And then finally, just strange adventures. So, you know, Tom and Mitch just continue to tell us these these wild stories about larger than life people, but are part of our world. And I think that's the reason we keep coming back to like Mr. Miracle and this story and even parts of all of Tom's Batman run is the books themselves feel kind of bland, but it's because they force you into everything every square detail because mr miracle that's what happened is i think they trained us how they want us to read their stuff with that book um and this one feels slower but i feel like it's because the detail and everything that they want us to have is there but this book is supposed to feel a very different pace and well i also feel like you feel that way because we had months yep in between one and two it's probably true but then three like followed super quick and i was still like i I, I see us progressing, but I'm still not sure towards where. And there's a lot more character development going on here. Like, this is most definitely going to be one of the deeper character studies we get on Mr. Terrific from anywhere in the DC universe. Oh, um, absolutely. To be, the, to be fair, also Adam Strange, because half of you are still going, who the heck is Adam Strange? Um, He's been a throwaway character for everything. Forever. And then just wars on distant alien planets that my mouth can't make the sound that they're required to. Um, because that was the history of DC when they were like, we're going to put nothing but consonants in this and there's no vowels or it's all vowels and your brain just can't do this. Um, but... I think the fun part about this is I almost wonder if the characters are slightly inverted this time around because Adam's wife, I'm like, oh, she she evil, but I don't know why. And it feels like Adam's just kind of like floating through space, which means him and Scott are similar. (laughs) But um, the female supporting characters, she's the wife on Ozark. Mm. And then I really enjoy that because they're in the current, you know, real world type thing um, is just that she knows how to manipulate media and they're talking about how the media manipulates um, how we see things and how it's perceived. So I thought there's some interesting pieces there. So stay tuned, kids keep reading. And then finally for this week, uh, we've got some quick number ones for you. And then we have a reader recommendation. So real quick, um, my number one from the last couple of weeks is the new Chew book, except in this case, it's C-H-U. If any of you are familiar with the original series, Chew, uh, common spelling, C-H-E-W, it's all about the folks in that universe. And for those of you that don't know, the only thing you need to know that's important to this particular story is that there are groups of people that have psychic abilities to understand circumstances, places, things that occurred, but they only have that through eating things that have been touched people food etc yeah you heard people um and some of them use that as detectives as law enforcement to be able to figure things out which means they do really weird 
things like, oh, that's a pool of blood. Yep, going to lick a little bit of that because I'm going to be able to psychic my way around figuring out stuff going on. Um, That's weird. But this story actually is about both sides in that one of the families have some folks that use those abilities to rob people. And this is literally a brother and sister in the same family that one's a criminal and one's a cop and they both kind of don't know it. So it's a cool setup. And if you like the art from the original series and everything, um, it was just a lot of fun. And for the books over the last couple of weeks, I was happy to see something that was fun, same but different. And so that's from Image. And it was lots of fun. You had a pretty unique book on yours. So tell us about the number one that you you're going to throw at us. Yeah, it's uh, it eats what feeds it. Um, Come again. <laughs> it it eats what feeds it. Um, and this is from okay. Scout Comics. And um, honestly, it was, you know, I saw it was the number one. I wanted a number one for this. And so I grabbed a couple different things, which, by the way, I'm sad I didn't get uh, Body Bag Road number two. You got that. How was that? I did. Actually, it's still kind of crazy. Um, lot, lots of bodies. <laughs> um, I'm not sure it advanced the plot a whole lot, but it's it's still that super action movie uh, revenge story type thing going on. So I'll, I'll keep reading it to see if it gets crazy or if it's just going to be that. And being that is fine. So that that being said, I was just that was on my mind. Um, eat, at Eats What Feeds It, number one was from... Uh, Scout Comics, and it's basically a young nerdy man that very much resembles the dude from Treasure Planet, um, uh, answering an advertisement for a like caregiver, housekeeper, like house sitter person for a lonely, beautiful woman. The art stra- is very—it's really crazy the way they do the art in this book that it makes you feel like every page you're turning in has fog on it. Like you hmm. can like after reading through this thing, just even flipping through it now, it feels like there's fog in the room. Um, but it's you can tell there's something like super duper sinister going on in this kitchen or not this kitchen, this house. Um, but this uh, lady seems to be luring this little hapless 20 uh, something year old man to be her uh, groundskeeper. Um, and the art in a crazy way, it reminds me of the Brave Little Toaster. Um, hmm. Like, somewhere in there. But it's one of these things where there's not a lot of detail to each image, but there's also a ton of detail in each image. It's like they work on the atmosphere of each picture um, more than, like, the actual individual images. To me, it feels a lot like Mercy, but modern, but also with functional storytelling. Um, like hmm. there's more detail and set up in one issue of this than there is all of the books of mercy. Um, so this definitely looks like it's going to be a horror book. Um, and, but it also looks like it's going to be witty, but the art style is flipping gorgeous in it. Um, and I would gladly pay the $4 to read this book just for the visuals. Um, so I'll keep going on this one. Nice. I may have to consider finding my way into um, that book. We don't have a ton of scout locally, so but I can find it. So interesting stuff. Um, 
And on our listener side, we heard from Todd Turner, who's been in the community for a while, usually shares lots of cool stuff. He's got an amazing collection that folks saw. Todd that Turner is back- more qualified than both of us, just say. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you might not be wrong. Um, and he wants to tell us a little bit about Undiscovered Country uh, from Image and Adventure Man. So let's hand it off to Todd. Hey, pool listers, this is Todd Turner from the Mosaic Fan Art Cave in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, with a recommendation for my very own pool list. Undiscovered Country by Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, is a story that takes place 30 years after the United States has walled itself off from the rest of the world. And while that's going on, the rest of the world is experiencing a pandemic called the Sky Virus that threatens to end humanity. An invitation is given from deep inside the U.S., for select group to come there because Uncle Sam has the cure and then it gets crazy. Imagine putting in a blender Contagion, Mad Max, Mortal Engines, and Maze Runner mixed with some mutated freakish animals and that's what you get. Now it is rated M for mature, but the trade for the first six issue story arc has just dropped. The story is captivating with fantastic character development and the art is spot on. Go check it out. Also, check out Adventure Man by Image. It's rated E for everyone, and it's a fresh breath of fresh air. See you guys later. Bye. And that was Todd, and he's up there in Kentucky. I say up there from here. It's like up and over for Hector, so that's mostly true. Um, And so Undiscovered Country has been a wild book. I stopped reading a few issues ago, probably about the time the trade dropped. Um, but I did talk about it early, so I know I've had some interest in it. And for folks that were interested, it, it is a wild ride. It just wasn't Chris's cup of tea, but it was Todd's. And that's why you guys should take a look at that. And then Todd's been telling us about Adventure Man in the community for like since it came out. And I now have issues one and two, but I haven't had a chance to read it. I don't know if you've had any exposure to either of those, Hector, or not. It was one of those I had bought so many other books days that I didn't buy that one. But I am totally down, and it'll probably be one of those situations when there's a low week, I'll swoop in and pick up, like, the first three. Yeah, and so so thank you, Todd, for bringing our attention back to those and sharing with us, you know, what you find awesome so that other folks can have a chance. So Hector and I want to hear about your favorite reads, so you can give us a call at 706 706- Five three zero one four one two. Leave us a thirty second, sixty second message about your favorite reads, and you might be on the very next episode telling the entire world about what you're currently enjoying. It's that simple, kids, fam. Just buy them comics, read them, call, and nerd out, and you'll get featured right here on the show. So we love to hear about all the stuff that you're reading. So just give us a call. Hopefully by next Friday, Friday before the show comes out, and you could be featured right here as well. And that's going to do it for us here on the Polis Podcast. Episode 8 of Season 2 is in the books and now in your ears. And But we can't possibly do this alone. We are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. And there's a handful of shows over there. We just recently added a book club, like regular like words, less pictures, um, which seems strange to Hector and I, but I suppose people read books with just words in them. Um, and so there's a new nerdy book club show that you can catch over on the network at all but basically hit us up at lovethynerd.com click on listen and you'll find all the latest shows that we have there on the network so as always Hector and I just want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a well mostly weekly every other week occasionally once a month um, basis and you know 
help us out. Uh, don't leave us hanging. Leave a review of the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. If you can find podcasts there, you can most likely find us. So please rate and review. But also just share with your friends because we love talking about comics and all that good stuff. So thanks for listening as always. And remember, kids, read more comics. Read more comics.